Hi, I'm Anthony Sharon, pastor of First Assembly of God of Greater Lansing, better known as GL First. I hope this message connects you to God's Word and His vision for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. All right. Good morning, everybody. Is it afternoon yet? No, not yet? All right, well then, good morning. It stands. Uh, my name is Pastor Anthony. I am the uh, pastor of this amazing church, right? Uh, look at that. AJ, you're infectious in a good way. In a good way, all right? Oh, man. I have. So we've been on this series called New Beginnings. And. Uh, we've been going through the book of Genesis and answering questions uh, about our existence now and how that applies. Have you guys gained anything off of this series so far? Anybody? Okay, I got one. Good. All right. Then we'll keep going. I got one more. One more week of this. And we're going to go way back to the beginning. Way back to Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1. Anybody having trouble finding that? Okay, literally, it is the beginning of the Bible, the first verse. You don't even have to look at the table of contents, okay? Just keep flipping until it says Genesis, and it's right there in the beginning. Um, And so that's where we're going to be. Put a finger there, hold on to that, and we are going to answer this question Why are we here? Anybody have, uh, anybody ever this last year struggle with depression? Anybody been depressed at all this year? Uh, Anybody struggle with um, just anxiety, stress this last year? it's, it's amazing what happens when we do this, when we struggle and have this anxiety. And it doesn't even have to be 2020. 2020, I believe every single one of us has a right to say, yeah, I, I had a little bit of anxiety. There was a little bit there, right? I mean, it, it was a tough year. I mean, it doesn't matter if you had the best year financially or the, the worst year financially, you both feel the stress of 2020, okay? And, and so... Um, Whether or not you know it or not, I believe that in those moments, we ask this question, Lord, why why am I here? Why am I even here? As a a parent, you've asked that question, like, what am I even doing? Why am I here as a parent? As a kid, I know you've asked that question like, oh, why am I even here? I can't wait to be 18 and leave. If you work... Anybody work? You've asked that question. Okay, you, why am I here? Some days are like that. Some years are like that. And today I hope to um, answer that uh, very question because I believe that it's a very basic, universal 
question whether you are saved for a year, whether you are saved for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whether you're not saved at all and you're just exploring this whole Christianity thing and Jesus, you've asked this question. It's a, every religion, every philosophy has asked this question. Why am I here? Why am I here? We've all experienced tough times. So let me ask you this. If, if you had somebody, not you, okay, but somebody else comes to you and tells you how stressed they are and they ask you this question. They say, I don't know why I'm here. Why am I here? What would be your answer? What would be your answer? How would you answer this question about uh, somebody else's purpose of life? Because Jesus loves you. That's a good answer. A little cliche, but good. Right? I mean, think about it. It's, we, we, we come up with some of these things off the top of our head, but really, when people are in transition, I believe they ask this question. People that have went through a divorce... People that are moving away from home, whether you're uh, getting to that age where you got to just leave, you've asked this question. Uh, during this last year, there's a growing number of people caring for their parents, for their parents, for loved ones because of their, their, their age or they're sick. Both pain and life experiences force us to answer this question over and over and over again. Now, here's the problem. If we don't have a foundational answer to this question, or if our answer is based on our situations, situational, or uh, based on uh, experience, especially when we experience um, some, some major uh, transitions in life, then what happens is this. We end up on this major emotional roller coaster where we have these extreme ups and extreme downs, extreme highs and extreme lows. And I believe sometimes when we have this, I know just exploring my own life, when I go through this, it's sometimes because I don't go back to the basics of this question, this foundational question. So let's go back to the very beginning. Genesis chapter one, verse one. And it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What a great statement. It's so simple, right? It's so simple. But there's so much stuff packed into this verse. There is so much packed into just this verse, right? I know that sometimes it feels like, hey, we can just read this and go, end of story. That's it. That was good. That was a good verse. But I'm telling you right now, that this is packed with some good, good foundational stuff. Perhaps you realize that Christianity is not the, the only religion that believes um, God created the world, right? But here's the difference between Christianity and every other religion. It's our worldview, our worldview is radically different than virtually every single religion out there. I gave Pastor AJ a book, and it has like every religion. 
even little ones. And uh, every religion in this big old book, and it's kind of cool. You get to go flip through it, and it looks kind of like a comic book, and it describes all the different religions and how they started. And I remember reading that book and going, man, and it, and it helped me realize how different Christianity is and how different our worldview is than every other religion out there. Whether we have hope or, or despair, whether we pray or uh, persevere, whether we see meaning beyond the, the seemingly random stuff and suffering in our world or not, this simple statement has some profound ramifications for each and every single one of us. I want to I go through this, and we're going to go through chapters 1. Uh, verse 1, 2, and 3. And the first thing is this. God created. God created the world. Most people would agree with that. How many of you guys agree with that out here? You guys online, you agree with that statement? However, back when this was written, back when this was written, and that's some thousands of years ago, it was actually a rare idea um, that God would create the world. That was rare. And the reason was, is that every other religion um, in, in, uh, in, in the ancient world uh, near the East assumed that matter, do you guys know what matter is? Matter is stuff, okay? Dirt, sand, rocks. Um, I mean, just anything you can touch, that's matter, okay? And they believed that matter was eternal, I just need that to sink in for a second. Matter was eternal, meaning this, materials were always here. And what was so crazy about this idea is that they believed that the gods actually rose out of matter. That's what they believed, okay? So gods were part of creation, not the cause of creation, and so that's why the Bible starts so clear and concise saying, in the beginning, God created. This is, this is amazing. And, uh, and, and Judaism shot a, what, what would be a, like a thunderbolt through philosophy by this simple statement in Genesis 1.1. Suddenly, God is the creator, not just a manipulator of material. He's not just a manipulator of material. Okay, God is the creator, not just the manipulator of, uh, of material. Here's why this matters. Even if you don't know how you know this matters, I think you know deep down inside that it does. And this is how. Whatever we create, we care about. Whatever we create, we care about. Let me give you an example. Has anybody in here ever created something, made something with their hands? Okay. Um, I have a four-year-old, and he likes to draw. Anybody ever see a kid draw something, and, and they're so proud of it, and they, they bring it to you, and, and they want you to hang it up, right? And, and you're like, I, I don't have no more room on my fridge, son, to hang this up. And, and so he leaves the room assuming you're going to hang it up. But then he comes back, and you don't expect him to care about this little piece of paper that he just drew on. But all of a sudden, he starts looking for it. 
Dad, where's, where's my, my, my picture? I drew you a picture. Where's my picture? And he starts looking around, and he finds it in, in filed underneath T for trash, right? <laughs> he finds it in the trash, and he unravels it, and he looks at you with this, this, this look that is like distraught, like, how could you do this? This is a Picasso. This thing is, this is worth everything, Dad. Why? You need to hang this on the wall. You need to hang this somewhere. Hang it, hang it. Why? Because he cares about what he created. Each and every single one of us care about what we created. We care deeply. We care about what we created more than your neighbor cares about what you created. You ever try to impress somebody and say, look at this, look at this, I made this. And they look at it and go, what is it? I don't even know what it is. And you're like, it's so obvious. How can you not know what this is? It took me three weeks to make this. Some people are into models. Not like the models that for clothing and stuff, but models like cars and boats and stuff like that. And they, they, they spend all this time with this meticulous detail. And this detail, nobody else will ever see or notice. But they care about it. They care so deeply about it. They want to talk about it. They want to, they want to explain it to you. I try to explain things that I've done to my, uh, my wife. And she just looks at me with a blank stare sometimes. Like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't care about that as much as you care about that. But I'm willing to sit and listen. But you have a time limit. I can't do this all day. Right? <laughs> to you, this may not look like much, but I love it. I love it. And it may be embarrassing to me, but I love it. And, and, and you have no idea what it is. Why? Because I created it. I created it. I got people that take pictures and put them on Instagram and nobody cares. You're like, why is nobody liking this? I created this. Because nobody cares like you care. You care about it because you made it. See, when your fingerprints are on it, your heart is in it. When your fingerprints are on it, your heart is in it. You know why? Because we are like God. Are we created in his image? I I, we went through this the last couple weeks, right? Seriously, God embedded his creative instinct inside of each and every single one of us. I, I always have to look in the mirror and remind myself when I tell people I'm not the creative one. But I have to look in the mirror and remind myself often that I was created by a creator who's creative. And I was created in his image which makes me creative. And the things that I create, I love. Why? Because I am like God. He's embedded his creative instinct inside of me, inside of each and every single one of you. That's why we are all so insatiably creative. Whether it's art, whether it's architecture, poetry, welding, music, interior design, we just love to make stuff, and we love the stuff that we make. 
Our creations are extensions of who we are. Isn't that right? Think about it. Our creations are extensions of who we are. If you get this, you're going to realize something awesome and amazing. Here's the truth. God is crazy about you for no other reason that you have his fingerprints all over you. That you have his fingerprints all over you. He can't help himself. You are his. Unlike other creation stories, our God is bought in and sold out for each and every single one of us. He made us because it's an extension of himself. Our God cannot be distant or disinterested in us. This is really powerfully um, good news, I believe. This is also um, a different worldview, and it's straight out of early Judaism. The Jewish God of creation was uh, intimately connected to and invested in his creation. Unlike other worldviews where the gods were impulsive and cruel, the God of the Bible walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. And he walks with each and every single one of us right now. When God is the creator, I need you to understand this. Write this down. When God is the creator, he is also father. I think AJ alluded to it earlier when he was talking about giving, right? God is our father. He's our parent. He takes responsibility for this world right now. That's a big deal, but it gets better. See, the Jewish creation story, it paints God as a father. And what Christianity teaches, adds, uh, teaching adds is, is far more. You see, we don't just believe that God is father, but we also uh, believe that he is the son and he is the spirit. We believe that God is three parts in one. We talked about that, um, I think, in week one, didn't we? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So here's what we did so far. We showed God the Father in the creation. Now we're going to step into, and I want to show you the Spirit in creation as well. Look at verse 2. It says this. The spirit was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. So now we've got God the Father in the creation story. We've got God the Spirit in the creation story, right? And it says this, this concept uh, of the deep and the dark was a Jewish idea of Chaos is what it means. There was all this chaos, and what was the Holy Spirit doing? Hovering over it all. The Spirit of God in Judaism was a lifeless force. Jesus, however, introduced the Spirit as a unique person of the Godhead. Thus, in verse 2, we encounter the second member of the Trinity. And what he is doing, he is hovering the Hebrew word uh, indicates um, 
a kind of vibration or quaking. That's what that means, a vibration or quaking. They're trying to explain that there was a lot of chaos going on. And so the first time that we meet the Holy Spirit, he is bringing order out of chaos so that we can thrive in an environment created by God. How many of you guys have experienced chaos over this last year? Yeah, right? Right? And, and we see here in the beginning that it's the Holy Spirit that is hovering and what he is doing, introduced by Jesus, is bringing order out of chaos. I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is doing and being active inside of each and every single one of our lives. Where there is disorder, he brings order. Where there is chaos, he brings healing. Right now, wherever there is disorder in your life, the Holy Spirit is attempting to bring you in right relationship with your creator. That's what he's attempting to do. Kind of let that sink in for a second. Whatever is on your mind is also on God's heart because of the Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit. He is an advocate for what matters most to you. I love what AJ was saying. He says, how many of you guys understand that God knows your needs and he knows your wants? It's the Holy Spirit that starts to bring order out of all these things in your mind. It's the Holy Spirit that is your advocate communicating to the Father every single step of the way. And then we go, um, and, uh, well, actually, let's go to Psalms 104.30. And what we'll see is, uh, we'll see the same spirit breathing life into a human being. And it's, I believe that's still true today. It says this, when you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. The Holy Spirit is more um, connected to creation than either the Father or the Son. The Holy Spirit is the one that connects. Hold on to that just for a moment. Kind of tuck that in, put it in your pocket, and we're going to come back to that for a second, all right? And I want to do this. I want to move on to verse 3, and I want to show you that Jesus was a part of creation as well. Okay, so we've got God the Father in verse 1. We've got uh, God the Holy Spirit in verse 2. And now look at verse 3. It says this, Genesis 1, 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was what? Light. So simple, right? But when we start to dig in, we know that God created the world by simply speaking into existence. If we were to fast forward to John 1, 1, we would see that Jesus is the embodied word of God, the Logos, right? And so look at John 1, 1. I know this is getting deep, but we're going we're gonna to simplify it a little bit for you real quick, all right? John 1, 1 says this, in the beginning was the word. What did God do? God spoke the words into existence. Okay, so in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, when God spoke, Jesus acted. 
He carried out the command of God. Paul says the same thing in Colossians 1, uh, 15 through 17. He says this, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or uh, dominations or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. We might think of it this way. God the Father is the architect who designed the plan. God the Son was the builder who created our universe. And God the Spirit acted as the engineer to infuse this creation with life, beauty, and order. Together, the Trinity created the world we inhabit today, including ourselves. Why does this matter? Why does this matter? What difference does a Christian view of creation make versus a Darwinian evolution or some other ancient mythology? Why does it make a difference? The difference of a Christian uh, creational worldview makes this. Since the Christian view of creation includes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we got to ask the question, what would happen if we remove father from the creation or the son from creation or the spirit from creation, right? So let's begin real quick with removing the father. If we remove God, the father from creation account, what we come up with is always some version of evolution or uh, a Darwinian point of view. This is, and I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing science. We believe in science, okay? Uh, because we believe God created an ordered world. I believe in science. I believe that all science points to Christ. I really do. Rather, this, this is an observation that Darwinian evolution, as well as every other ancient account of creation, believes that matter is eternal not God. Okay? Now, I told you we'd come back to that. And whatever has been here the longest, now think about this for a second. Whatever has been here the longest tends to take priority in human perception. You might not know that. You might not even know that that's why people do what they do. But I'm telling you, whatever you think has been here the longest takes priority in human perception. Now, for those that believe that matter is eternal, and they would never, I don't think people would come out and say that, but at the core of their beliefs, when they say this, okay, they say matter is what matters most. So we find ourselves prioritizing the environment over eternity, animals over humans, and the physical over the spiritual. You see this in our world every single day. Wherever God the Father is removed from creation, we find that humans treat animals like people. And people begin to behave like animals. Let me give you a couple of clear examples so you understand, okay? In the legislation of the United States of America, there are significant fines for killing specific animals such as bald eagles or baby seals. 
And yet a teenage girl has the right to a physician-assisted abortion with or without the consent of a legal guardian. Did you guys know that? Now, I'm I'm pro-life, and I'm not sitting here debating abortion or not, but here's what I'm, I'm asking. Okay, and and it's a simple issue. I want to go a little bit beyond this, and this is what I'm asking. Why is it that animals often have greater protection than people? Think about that for a second, right? Now, if you start to connect these things, you'll start to understand why. Why animals uh, would have greater protection than people would. Here's another example. Have you noticed that the rise in the humanization of pets... I have a dog now. I never thought I'd have a dog, but I have a dog. I inherited a dog, and I love this dog, okay? But here's what I see. I see people are dressing them, taking them on airplanes, even burying them in cemeteries with full funeral services. Again, I'm not criticizing pet owners. That's not the point. I'm simply asking the questions, why have animals in recent years been elevated to human status? You got to ask this question. This is, I'm just making an observation of our world. At the same time, humans have degraded to animalistic behaviors. I won't get into the bestiality and things like that and the laws that protect some of that. But it's crazy to think of some of the things that man has been doing. In my opinion, All of this is a consequence of losing sight of God as the father who was in creation and the creator. We've lost both his moral discipline and his love. As a culture, we've lost sight of our divine dignity because we have ignored our father as our creator. We've ignored this. We've got to make sure that when we talk about creation, we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We can't just have one without the others. That's why there's three in one. And I can't explain that to you because it's beyond this brain of mine. Let's talk about removing the spirit from creation real quick. My guess is that most of you would probably agree with some of the things I just said, right? Some of you are probably still thinking about it. You can rewatch it and and go over it again. But here's the thing, okay? Christians tend to focus on and appreciate God the Father as creator. That's usually a given. However, most Christians in my experience have ignored the spirit in creation. They've ignored it. What happens if we lose sight of the Spirit in creation? Because the Holy Spirit is the most uh, intricately connected part of the, the Godhead to creation. He gives breath to every single being. He gives breath. He orders the inanimate things around us. When we ignore the spirit in creation, we diminish and degrade the value of the physical world. Natural resources are to be exploited rather than tended. 
And why is it that Christians are often opposed to environmentalism? Whereas for non-believers, I find that they are very into environmentalism, right? It's kind of, there's so much so that when you look at it, it's almost like a pseudo-religion devotion to them. Has anybody ever noticed that? There's a difference between as, as Christians look at the environment and then you have non-believers look at the environment and, and man, some of them go gung-ho. And it goes back to what I said earlier. Namely, whatever is most eternal has the highest priority. We see this in the news when we, when we see great concern over uh, global climate change. Now, again, I'm not in the debate and the political debates and all this stuff. I'm not here to talk about the science of climate change or anything like that. But I got to ask this question, why those outside the church put such emphasis on the environment when those inside the church often do not? We don't put a lot of emphasis on our environment. And here's what I want to challenge you as Christians to think about. If the Holy Spirit quakes over chaos in the environment, can we afford to do less as Christ followers? Should we not partner with the Spirit to order and protect the garden that we have been given to tend? Treating the environment with contempt, using and abusing it, as opposed to caring and nurturing it, is a violation of our God-ordained role as stewards of this world. See, Christians have too often acted as if this world is kind of kindling for a fire, for Armageddon. This would be like going into a nursing home and stealing your grandmother's purse because she's about to die anyways. Think about it. None of us would think of such a thing, right? We would think that's ridiculous. Yet we treat the environment as if it is destined for destruction rather than an expression of our worship to God. Now, if you are not a follower of Christ, you may, uh, you may give me a, a hearty amen, right? You may recognize the divine nature of our creation. Um, but let me challenge you with something as well. When you sense God in nature, in sunsets, in a thunderstorm, in a rainbow, in a blooming field, what you are sensing is the Holy Spirit. What you are sensing is actually the Holy Spirit. Those who say they connect with God in nature are actually affirming the Holy Spirit in creation. What you are sensing is this. You are sensing the fingerprints of God. But if you want to see the face of God, you will only find it in Jesus. You will only find it in Jesus. See, protecting creation without knowing the creator is making a false God out of what we should be ruling rather than worshiping. So that leads to this third question. What is the result of ignoring Jesus in creation? Here's the reality. If Jesus created this world, then salvation cannot be merely about going to heaven someday 
Instead, it's about bringing heaven to earth today. You guys following my train of thought a little bit? You guys are going down the rabbit hole with me, all right? Welcome. Welcome to my world. If Jesus created this world, then he cares about what he created, right? We, we established that earlier, okay? Therefore, salvation cannot just be merely about going to heaven someday. That's not it. There is so much more to it. It's, it's more about bringing heaven to earth right now. We cannot say that we care for someone's soul without caring for their body. We cannot say that salvation is removing someone's sin without transforming the structures of sin in our society. In short, what I'm suggesting is this, is that a recognition of Jesus in creation demands social engagement with the structures of inequality, injustice, and prejudice that plague our world right now. You guys following my train of thought? It will never be enough if Jesus is creator to preach him as the savior that gets you to heaven by forgiving your sins. That will never be enough. We need more. We need more. He cares about you on this earth. I've made the argument before. Then if, why wouldn't he just take you to heaven after you give your life to Christ? Why wouldn't he just go, oh, yeah, you did it. Boop. You're done. Because he created this and he cares about this. He cares about who you're sitting next to. He cares about that person. He cares about who the clerk is at the store when you go up there and you go to pay. He cares about that person. And so what he's saying is you should care about that person. If Jesus is the creator of creation, then he is also ruler over it and is our responsibility to enact his agenda in it. You guys following me? I know that's a lot of stuff and it gets kind of deep. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sum it up. I'm going to try to take it and just kind of sum it all up for you real quick. All right, you ready? So what should we do with all this information? Because you got a lot of information out of three verses. Didn't I tell you we were going to go deep? And <laughs> those three verses aren't as simple as what you might think, right? So here's the thing. What difference is it going to make to your life this week having all this information. That's really what every sermon should come down to. Every message should come down to this. How do I enact this on Monday? How do I take this information and, and use it tomorrow? Because playoffs are today, and I know none of you are gonna be using that information until tomorrow, right? <laughs> the men are like, yes. <laughs> Some of the ladies are like, yeah, my man doesn't watch football. I do. And what you just said was sexist, and I apologize for that. Let me ask you two things. First is this. As you think through the God of creation, and I hope you do, I hope you take this information and you meditate on it because it's a lot. Okay, read those three verses, go over this information in your head, fact check me, do whatever you have to do, 
okay? Be like the Bereans and go through this. Because if you're like the Bereans, you won't just take my word for it. You'll read the book. Isn't that like a reading rainbow motto? Don't take my word for it. Get the book. So here's the thing. So as you think through God uh, of, of creation, that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Ask yourself this, which one have you personally ignored the most? Write that down. Go ahead. Right? And I'll put it in a, in a better way on the screen, I think. Which aspect of God have you personally ignored the most when thinking about creation? The Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? Because I tell you that if you identify which one you've ignored the most, you'll start to dissect how you treated the world and the people in it. So perhaps today you would say something like, I've really only thought about this world as a physical environment, and matter has mattered more than my spiritual life. Or perhaps you would say that you've never really thought about the Holy Spirit's ongoing role in sustaining and maintaining the life all around us. Or maybe, for you, this idea of holistic salvation, body, soul, society, is a new or even challenging concept. Whatever is most new and difficult for you, let's take it a little further and ask this question. What is one thing you could do this week to focus on God the Father, God the Son, or God the Spirit as your creator? So let's get practical real quick. As the, uh, let's have the worship team come on up here. And uh, let's, get, let's get practical real quick. Would you be willing this week to do one thing that would make your garden better? What is one thing that you could do, perhaps on the property that you own, or among the people that you influence, that would improve our world in one simple way? That's what it all comes down to. What can I do this week to improve my world and the people in it, the people that I influence, in one simple way. You can think about some ideas. If you have some ideas online, start typing them in. If you have ideas, shout them out. Tell your neighbor. If you're struggling with this, meet with me and ask me some ideas. If you're a parent, how you treat your kids and things you talk about can really affect their worldview. If you're a student, how can you make other students' lives better? How can you make somebody smile? How can you make somebody appreciate life a little bit more? If you're a kid and you're living with your parents, how can you make your parents' life a little easier? You know, parents got it tough too. You know what I'm saying? How do we care about the things that Jesus cares about? How do we care about the things that the Holy Spirit cares about? How do we care about the things that God the Father cares about? That's what it all comes down to. When we look at the whole story of creation, 
How do we care? Like our Father. Like Jesus. Like the Holy Spirit. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would really help us, help us as parents this week to love and affect and influence the people around us, our kids, our spouses. How do we influence them to make this world a better place? Father, as co-workers, how do we do this? As kids, how do we do this? Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. When we're online speaking to people, how do we affect and influence that community and our society in a way that would be pleasing to God? When we look at the creation story, that's what it all comes down to, Lord. How do we care about what you care about? How do we fight for what you fight for? I pray for those that feel like their life is in chaos right now. I pray that the Holy Spirit would hover and quake and bring order out of disorder. Bring healing to a body that's hurting, to a heart that's aching, to a soul that's screaming out. Father, I pray for your salvation. I pray that people would open their hearts and accept and receive you today. I pray that every single one of us hearing these words can walk out of here and be better, better than we were when we came in, Lord. That's why we're here. We're not here just to please you and and do this stuff. We're here so that you can use us, so that you can increase our capacity to love, to influence, to bring heaven to earth today. So, Father, I give you all the praise and the glory. So if you're with us, let's just, if you want to sit through this song, go ahead and sit through it and meditate, pray on it. But if you don't want to do that, stand up and just begin to worship. And I believe God will start to speak to your heart today. Thanks for joining us. I hope this message blessed you. Our goal is to connect you to God's people, God's word, and his mission for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Again, that's glfirst.org. Hope to see you next week. God bless.